and welcome to On A Lighter Note podcast, a place to learn all about perinatal mental health. I'm your host, Frankie, a peer support worker from Light. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today we've got Ali Kitley-Jones, an art psychotherapist who works for South Yorkshire Art Psychotherapy Services. Um, So Ali, you work privately and you also work on projects as well. Um, And we met at a well-being day, didn't we? Sort of a a really, really lovely day. Um, Space to Breathe, it was called, wasn't it? And it was just a lovely day to, for those professionals who work within sort of our field, to take a minute to protect ourselves and to give ourselves a bit of space and a bit of room. Um, Yeah, and we just started chatting there about sort of what you do. So please, can you tell me what do you do? (laughs) Okay, well... I'm an art psychotherapist, which is a protected title. Mm -hmm. So that means I've had to go back to university when I was 47. Right. You can do it, girls (laughs) and boys. Yeah. Um, Thanks to Tony Blair, I was able to afford it. Mm -hmm. And because child tax credits were were on the go. So I had um, two, I was a single parent, had two children at home, teenagers, I worked and went to uni and, and qualified about 12 years ago. Yeah. So before that, mm. um, I'd experienced a, a, a long period of depression after mm. burning out from being a school teacher and mm. a mum yeah. um, and a wife and mm. a friend and a daughter yeah. and a granddaughter, etc., etc. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. how I, that's who I am and what I yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. I think that is so common. And I know we've just spoke about this before we started recording and I speak to so many, um, usually mums about this. Um, so many are teachers or work within education or work within the care services or work within the NHS. You know, you become a mum and you just give everything you've got because that's what you've always done. That is your work ethic. You are expected to give and give and give yeah. more and give more and give more. Yeah. And it, we burn out. And yeah. I, I had the same. I was a primary school teacher before as well and, and become a mum and then realised I can't give anymore because they've got nothing left in me to give. That's right, because your priorities, once you become a parent, mm. are your children. Yeah. And that gets mixed up. For me, it got mixed up with... The thought, because I was the major breadwinner mm. when my children were very young, um, I was still married, and my ex-husband stayed at home, and that worked for us. Yeah. He was able to give the emotional support to me and the children, yeah. but then he became quite unwell, right? Um, and that affected me obviously. Mm. But and must clarify, I was I were, always worked in um, inner city schools. Mm with children who um, suffered some kind of disadvantage, whether it be financial or emotional or Mm. behavioural. And the school I worked in in Sheffield was fantastic. I loved my job. I became head of year and then Mm. I was head of RE. Mm. But then when the Twin Towers happened, all the work that I felt that I'd done to help the young people see eye to eye in the school because the community came from, some came from um, Bangladeshi and Pakistani community, some came from um, ordinary Sheffield working class community and they clashed Mm. and that caused me terrible psychological 
problems yeah. once the Twin Towers had happened. Um, and so that's what the, was the beginning of me crashing. But before that, yeah. I'd had to have my gallbladder removed. So something was happening in my body that was mm. telling me, mm. you need to slow mm. down and stop. But I wouldn't. Mm. Mm. And so eventually, it was my brain that slowed down and stopped. Yeah. And yep. the only thing I could do was look after my children. That's mm. all I could manage to do. Mm. Mm. I couldn't go to work. I couldn't even leave the house. I had agoraphobia. Mm. And for five years, I had a psychiatrist and help from the services yeah. and lots of counselling. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah f coming from a, um, a position of depression, yeah. I painted my way out. Yeah. And this was yeah. the joy for me. Yeah. I reignited my feelings about being creative. Have you always been creative? N I, when I was a child, I was very creative. Yeah. I even did textiles, GCSE, yeah. and yeah. you know, made pictures, embroidery, made clothes. But then somehow, that when I left home, that got lost. Maybe I wasn't anywhere near a sewing machine. Yeah. I don't know, but as yeah. a teenager, that just sort of like flew away, and mm -hmm. I became more interested mm -hmm. in books and theories and yeah. things. So finding that, I was 38, finding art then um, helped me open doors to myself right. in those quiet moments when my children were at school that um, I'd not found for a long time. Mm. So we talked a bit earlier about losing your identity when you become a mum mm. and how you don't really know who you are yeah. And you can cling on to the labels that people give you. Yeah. Wife, mother, yeah. daughter, auntie. But really if you're not feeling about feeling confident about who you are inside, you yeah. feel fragmented and mm. lost. Mm. And so the art for me was a way of me calming my mind, worrying about all of those things and pushing my feelings into the art. And then when I was collecting my kids from school one day, a neighbour said, why don't you become an art therapist? This right. was as I was getting better, so I could mm. collect my kids from school. I wasn't mm. as agoraphobic because I got a dog, mm. and that was the joy. Yeah. She made me go out, Kim. Yeah. And so I said, well, what's an art therapist? And she said, well, ask Wendy down the road. She's one. Get her to come round for a coffee. Well, yeah. Before I'd broken down, I knew no one on my street. Yeah. I was just up in the morning, off yeah. to work, home, kids, yeah. bed, homework, blah. Mm. So Wendy came around for coffee and she suggested that I try to apply for the course. Right. And so it was from my interest in mm. just pushing my feelings into a piece of paper yeah. or a canvas. Yeah. That's how I got yeah. interested in becoming yeah. an art therapist from my neighbour, which yeah. was amazing. Yeah. So yeah. now I work with people through my journey. I've realised that I was subject to childhood trauma. Mm -hmm. um, and I have resolved that within my family. Mm. Um, and that gave me a freedom to find out who I really was. Yeah. That was the thing that was really hurting me. Yeah. The um, the upbringing that I'd had and how it had 
made me into the worrying, caring, never saying no yeah. sort of person that lots of women mm -hmm. who were born in the 60s went through. Mm. I think we were at the tail end of that after the Second World War, you know, the woman has to stay at the yeah. sink. And we were sold. And I, my grandmother, I loved. Mm. And my mum, she always worked. Mm. But they sold me yeah. the lie that you can have it all yeah. and you can't. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can absolutely resonate with that. I think I am, I'm like the second generation of that where my mum is very much that hardworking, northern... You, you know, she she's talks probably weekly about how she went back to work five days after having me and she worked three jobs and she, you know, very proud and never claimed benefits and, and which has always been, a, you know, sold as a positive. She does everything for everyone. All her friends can rely on her. She's the one you can lean on and, you know, all of those, you know, things that I've heard throughout my life has turned me into this never say no, I'm there for everybody, martyr myself. And actually it's taken until me till I've turned thirty, well in my thirties, to go, Oh, this is rubbish for me. Yeah. <laughs> because everyone else around me is loving it. They're they're, they're great. Getting everything. My husband's having a great time. My kids are great. My friends can rely on me. My family can but I am just miserable. And as she said before mm. We're like that conquer shell. Yeah. Yeah. We've birthed the child and yeah. we're empty. Yeah. We've birthed we've got nothing left to give. We've yeah. got we're empty and we need to feed ourselves. And mm. what the time the five years that I took out of my working life, through no fault of my own, my brain just went mm. mental. Mm. Um I did take I I I advocate that if your GP prescribes any medication for you really listen carefully mm -hmm. and think carefully about taking it and what long-term yeah. issues you might have but I would say to you honestly I wouldn't be here without the medication yeah the medication and the counseling mm. I ended up at the Samaritans the mm. Samaritans directed me to a counsellor mm. and that lady thank you very much mm. she worked with me and brought me through it all as I was doing my art. Yeah. And I think you've got to have, because I was in a situation in a city where I didn't know anyone, it mm. isn't where my family lives. Yeah. I hadn't got that wider support. Yeah. And when I left my occupation, people in those days, early 2000s, people didn't really think mental health was something that we should be talking about. Yeah, yeah. And that made me feel ashamed. Yeah. And it made me feel like I couldn't go out. Mm. Because if I bumped into anybody, you would mm. go, how are you? Yeah. I wouldn't know what to say because I was rubbish. Yeah. And yeah. so I couldn't go out. I had, yeah. I had a year, maybe more, where I was literally at home. Mm. Mm. Um, and I had to, you know, I had to have my husband's hand to hold if I went anywhere. Mm. And he could shield me from any questions mm. or... Yeah. That was so hard, and I couldn't tell people that I was ill. Yeah, I couldn't explain. I couldn't even let the doctor write the sick note mm. properly yeah. at first. Yeah, because it was such a stigma. Yeah, and 
in the conversation we've just had, we've mm. been to, it is mm. 2022. Mm. So it's 21 years yeah. since I walked out of my job. Mm. And people in the NHS still can't talk about yeah. their mental health. Absolutely. Well, I, I, we just said before we started recording how um, w- when I was a primary school teacher, there is no way I could have gone into work and said, I'm not okay. I, I'm not doing all right. I need some help. I need some support. Like I have done in the job that I work in now, I've come in and said, I'm not doing okay. Yes. And I have this now, what makes me do that is I know I am fully supported. I can come in and say, I'm not doing okay. And the people around me are supporting me. They're not judging me. They're there for me. They also trust me to be able to do my job. When I say, actually, no, I am well enough to do my job today. They trust that I can do that. They don't They've got confidence in me, whereas yes. I very much felt in previous roles, if I'd have turned up and said that, you know, the the preconception that, okay, so you're a quivering wreck in the corner and you can't do anything ever again, or, you know, yes. that that was just the, the culture there, and there's no way I could have, have done that. And I've, I've gone through things and made decisions that have been really tough, but actually the best thing for me, yes. because I'm in a supportive environment who understand. I would not have made those decisions if I was still a primary school teacher. No, and you probably would have gone down mm. the route that yeah. I did where yeah. you would be totally mashed. Yeah. yeah. I felt like my brain was mashed potato. Yeah. I had taken so much and also yeah. given so much. Yeah. Yeah. And that I it took me a long time to realise that I was empty. Yeah. Like you said, I'd birthed my two boys. Yeah. They were, you know, they are fully grown men now and I'm a mm. grandma. Mm. But those two boys were everything mm. my sister-in-law had four boys so the six children yeah. and me and my sister-in-law used to spend time together mm. but I didn't really know who Ali was yeah and I must say that since my relationship breakdown and that was very sad for me mm. I loved my husband but mm. you know you have to move on you can't make someone love you mm. um if he hadn't released me from that relationship yeah I wouldn't be here. Yeah. Because I could never have gone to university again. Yeah. I don't know how I would have been able to afford it. It would have been mm. different. Yeah. He, my ex-husband, I care about a lot. Mm. But when I first started painting, he did put me down and say, well, I don't know who's going to be bothered about looking at that. Yeah. Or who's ever going to buy that. Yeah. And actually, mm. people have bought my art. Yeah. There's my art in the Sheffield Hallam, um, sorry, in the Hallamshire Hospital in the urology department yeah. that have been, has been bought. Mm, mm. Um, other people have bought pieces and have yeah. them at home. So the release from a toxic relationship as well, I didn't realise it was toxic when it yeah. was happening, yeah. but the release from that has helped me to flourish. Yes. And I think if you are able to find the thing that anchors you to yeah. um to your life so being in nature for me is mm. a massive thing doing mandalas yeah. my practice as a an art therapist my reflective practice has included making mandalas which are circular images that are ancient and people around the world have always made these circular images um, I like the way that um, people make 
Tibetan mandalas. I love the sand mandalas. They're mm. amazing. Mm. I do my with watercolours and they reflect for me the, what's going on for me internally. Mm. And some of those mandalas have revealed to me how broken I've felt. Yeah. And then later have revealed how much better I feel. Yeah. By yeah. making those patterns. Mm. And those that comes from loss. All of my loss goes mm. into a mandala. Mm. That's mm. how I cope with difficulties, yeah. bereavements, um, breakdowns of relationships. Yeah. It all goes into a mandala. Yeah. And I can tell you how I was feeling mm. every time. I, if I was to look at a mandala that I've mm. made, I can tell you how I was feeling and yeah. why I made it. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, as someone who is not arty, and I know people say everyone's, you know, got a creative side, and, and I think I'm creative in some ways, but I'm not, I'm not, I've never been good, um, I always say I'm never good with my hands. I'm not good at drawing or, like, painting or anything. I've never been, like, particularly good at that. Um, and I think because I wasn't that good at it, I didn't like it, because I didn't like to not be good at something. Um, but for me, that's, it's never been a route that I've gone down, and I have done all of it you know I've mm -hmm. done all the yoga and I've done all the meditation and I've done reading all the books and done all of that but art is, has never been um the path that I have gone down but when we were on that day course that we went on and we did one of the exercises was just on a, a piece of paper that had a big circle on it you know draw how you're feeling like whatever that might be whatever it looks like just just do something and um we all did that activity and actually you know, for me, I was like half-assed doing it. Like, mm -hmm. okay, sure, we'll draw how we're feeling. Sure, you know. So I did it, and then afterwards, it's like, yeah, it's there's something about changing the perspective because I wasn't just like, how am I feeling? I was looking at this piece of paper with what I'd drawn on it, going, what does this show me? Mm. What does this? Whoever drew this, pretending it wasn't me, how are they feeling? And it sort of took me away from me a little bit. Yeah. And took all the emotional drama things. And I think that day, like, I don't know, one of the kids didn't want to go to nursery and the car broke down and it wouldn't start. And, what, you know, all the whatevers had yes. happened. I, I looked at that piece of paper and none of that was there. And it, I don't know, it, things felt a bit clearer. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's how I'm feeling. Yeah. And I got it. Yeah. You know, like I sort of clicked like, oh, I get why people do this now. Yes. And it wasn't like I was being like, oh, it's rubbish. I was just... It hadn't ever clicked in my head before. But I think creating something, a physical thing that is coming from you, that's coming from a place inside of you, and then you being able to step back and go, oh, I'm going to look at that. It's not you in your own head going around battling like I often do or telling myself, oh, you're a rubbish mum because you've done that. No, you're not a rubbish mum. Like, you know, yeah. that battle wasn't happening. I was just looking at something. And it simplified a lot of stuff to me. And, yeah, yeah that was my, like, oh, I get it moment. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was really good. Yes. <laughs> I know I shouldn't be shocked, but it was. It's yeah, great. That's right. And that's how, for me, art therapy is a really good way of helping people with their mental health. Yeah. It's yeah. often the last resort that people take if they feel like they can't do talking therapies. Yeah. yeah. Often, <clears throat> and I felt this when I was working with my first therapist, I wasn't quite getting to the nub of an issue and I mm. couldn't work out mm. what that was, what what was stopping me, blocking me from yeah. moving forward. Yeah. Now, when I work with people, I can see that being worked through on yeah. the page. Yeah. 
Yeah. People will reveal their inner turmoil and inner mm. feelings mm. by the way they make their marks. And for me, it's the process. So I sit yeah. with people. Yeah. And I, I don't keep notes, but I take notes yeah. of what they're doing, yeah. how their facial expression is, what colours they choose, how they're, whether they're relaxed, whether yeah, they're yeah. wriggling. And then together we look at the piece of work mm. and... I save the work, I give mm. them the notes, mm. or the work stays mm. with the notes so yeah. that they've got a record of how they were feeling on that particular day. Mm. And for some people, it can be quite um, revolutionary yeah. immediately. Mm. So you, I was working with one lady, and she was going through terrible... Um, Terminal illness, mm. and she made an image, and in the corner of the image, it was a, a watery image, and in the mm. corner of the image, there were two really, really ominous-looking, mm. I would say, anglerfish, mm. if you know what an mm. anglerfish yeah. is. Mm. By chance, she'd mm. made mm. something that looked like anglerfish, with yeah. horrible mouths, lots of teeth, and she wasn't. Uh, we, she was in an art therapy group with me, and I suggested that she when she went back to her counsellor, that she took the image mm. and talked about mm. it with the counsellor. Mm. And she said it opened up so many mm. avenues in that discussion with the counsellor. Yeah. So it could be colour that, the colour that you use, it could be the, the way you softly apply the material mm. to the paper, the way that you flick the water... Some people like to throw paint to yeah. to get emotions out. However you do it, the image that is left is the product. It's the end result. And mm. what you were saying about stepping back then, mm. we look at it together. And yeah, lots of people are like, mm. well, I didn't know what I was doing, but now I look at it, it's yeah. telling me loads about yeah. how I'm feeling. Yeah, it's like that, I didn't really know what I was doing, but something in you knew what it was doing. Yeah. And you let, you just let it happen, and then you can go, that's what I was doing. Oh, yeah. like, and for me, I'm a bit of a control freak, so I don't like to not know what I'm doing. Yes. Um, yeah. I'm very dyslexic as well, and I think I found this out when I was doing my, the, the tests to see how dyslexic I was. Yeah. Was that I struggle to be creative in a process where I don't know what the end looks like. I can't right. just go with it. I need to know what it's supposed to look like at the end. Right. And then I can do do it. Right. And so I quite I struggle when it's not draw a picture of this. It's just here you go, here's a piece of paper. So go. free expression. I was like, yeah. oh no. <laughs> no, no, yeah. no. You, I yeah. need to know. You know, and, and it's a control thing. And it is. letting go of that control was great because actually I, I sort of opened up a part of me that I wasn't really even aware of in that moment. Exactly. Yeah. And often we don't realise, but it is a neurological thing that's happening. Yeah. In the past, when art therapy was first brought about, mm -hmm. it was to help people who'd got what we call PTSD as yeah. they came out of the First World War yeah. and Second World War. Mm -hmm. So that was the basis. You know, people were given mm -hmm. the materials because they were bed-bound, they'd lost yeah. arms and legs. Yeah. In a project I once did, uh, recently did, we actually were... We, found out with um, the WEA about a project that happened in Sheffield after the First World War where mm. soldiers were given paintbrushes attached to their stumps mm. and they made images 
um, using stencils on silk and mm. different fabrics mm. and that became the Painted Fabrics Limited yeah. in Sheffield. Yeah. Those fabrics were sold to the Queen. It yeah. was a way of rehabilitating those people mm. back into society mm. when they couldn't really yeah. work yeah. in any other capacity. So people have used art in lots yeah. of different ways. Um, but the thing about actually revealing the inner you mm. it it requires you to engage in a relationship with the therapist so mm. that you feel comfortable and what's going on in your mind when you're doing art therapy mm. is what we hope for is that you will be able to get into the flow and that is a state of mind where you're not thinking about anything else at yeah. all you're just choosing a color making a mark you're not fretting about yeah. the dog or the child or yeah. the parent. You are just with me in that room mm. making marks on a piece of paper. Mm. And what's happening neurologically is, and, and there's proof for this now, and in the past, in, after the First World War, people didn't yeah. have neurological instruments to look at your brain yeah. and how it fires. But they can see that your brain fires on both sides when you're making art. That creativity makes your brain work really hard mm. across both lobes. Mm. And that integration of neurological activity can calm you down. Yeah. And they've done studies in America where they've taken cortisol swabs from yeah. people's mouths to yeah. see how stressed they're yeah. feeling. Yeah. So cortisol is the stress hormone that we... One of the ones yeah. that is yeah. released if we've got that fight-flight yeah. feeling. And some of us, unfortunately have higher levels mm. of cortisol in their blood all the time. Mm -hmm. What they've done is they've tested yeah. young people who've had cortisol swabs done. Then they've given them an activity, mm. an art activity. They've given mm. some people, you know, a, a nothing activity where they just sit and chat or they mm. look at their phones. Mm. And then they re-swabbed the ones who'd done all the different things and found that the cortisol level the ones that were making art, doing yeah. a creative thing, had dropped. Yeah. So not only can we see in the brain mm. that it actually helps you mm. being creative, yeah. we can also see physiologically yeah. that that activity calms you. Yeah. Now, for me, I have a history in my family of heart disease and mm. all sorts of different things. Mm. And so I really need to learn... Yeah. And my body was telling me that way back when yeah. I was having my gallstones out. Yeah. I need to learn how to deal with stress. Mm. Mm. And for me, having art helps me recognise mm. when I'm not feeling so good. I can put it down on paper. Yeah. It slows me down. Yeah. My I would no wouldn't be here without the depression even. Mm. That taught me so much mm. about how to be as a human, yeah. to be able to say no, yeah. to be yeah. able to hold my head up yeah. if I'm, you know, trying to think, well, no, that's not a good thing for me to do, so yeah. I'd rather not, thank you very you much. You can set those boundaries. Well, yeah. That's right, yeah. it's it's taught me how, and, and going to university helped, the yeah. second time mm. helped with that as well, mm. having to balance all of those things. It, yeah. it helped me to pigeonhole. And so now when I'm working with individuals, yeah. after I finish working with an individual, their stuff goes in the box in my yeah. head until I see my supervisor. Yeah. And yeah. I, it's taught me how to, having the depression, having the training, mm. making the art, 
being in nature, yeah. going to Morocco a lot. <laughs> that definitely helps. Helps me be yeah. an, so an with, art therapist. With think. art therapy, so I understand how, it work, how the process works. How might it look? So if someone was to have quite formal art therapy, what what would that look like? Would they are they are they often in group sessions? Are they one to one sessions? Do, are they always with an art therapist, or do, do people do it on their own? I, you know, what does it look like? Okay, so if you were to go, mm. if you were lucky enough to find an art therapy in the services in, in the NHS, yeah. yeah. When I trained, I had art therapy groups in the NHS. Yeah. I worked with older adults. Mm. Um, in the Michael Carlisle Centre. Yeah. And there was an art room. Unfortunately, the art room didn't have a window. Right. Natural light is really important yeah. to art. Yeah. yeah. So it made me feel really quite sad that mm. the people who were unwell weren't getting what they needed. Yeah. yeah. However, I had one-to-one clients, mm. so I would go and collect them from the ward and bring them to the art therapy room. In the art therapy room, I would have a table laid out mm. with all the different materials mm. that they could mm. use, and we would sit and chat. Mm. They would make work, and yeah. we would discuss it. Yeah, if they were well enough to do that. Yeah. Um, in similarly working with um, groups of people, mm. you would encourage people to come along with the people who were supporting them on the ward. Yeah, they would all sit together and make yeah. art together, and then we would look at it together. Yeah. Okay. Since I've been practising, um, since um, I got my qualifications, I've run art therapy groups with people who have been recently, for Sci Arts, a colleague of myself, Tara Brown, and myself ran a project called Women of the World, which was for asylum-seeking, mm. trafficked and refugee women. Mm-hmm. And in that we had, rather than having free expression Mm. we wanted to contain the ladies Mm. in the circumstances because of their backgrounds we didn't want it to be a full-on psychotherapy experience because we weren't sure about the health of those ladies yeah so we had directed activities like making a mask Mm. making a um a matriarchal doll yeah Things yeah. like that, where they could express themselves mm. and mm. Um, be in the moment, really, yeah. Yeah. because their what mm. had happened before and what was going to happen in the future yeah. was quite uncertain. Mm. Um, so different different modalities mm. suit different yeah. people. So yeah. if you were working with a child, mm. you would just let them play yeah. and yeah. act out whatever yeah. it was. Mm. Um, whatever they wanted to do, mm. just let them express themselves how they want yeah. to, which is, as yeah. new parents, yeah. is something we could think about mm. with our little ones, yeah. allowing them to express their emotions yeah. however they want, mm. but channeling mm. negative emotions into positive things like making art, yeah. like digging, yeah. like playing with sand, ordering the world, blocks mm, mm. you know giving them the ability to order their world yeah. might help contain their emotions yeah, yeah. but we've got to be attentive mm. we've got to be attentive new parents mm. and sometimes when we're not well yeah that feels ultimately oh, gosh, difficult yeah. yeah 
ultimately yeah because you can sometimes not even drag yourself out of bed yeah yeah so ideally yeah. children should be given attention ultimately you know extreme attentive behavior but we mustn't feel bad about ourselves if we can't manage mm. that for some mm. of the child's early life yeah we yeah. have to just mm. give ourselves credit for growing the child and yeah. birthing the child yeah. and getting to the other side of yeah. that yeah because that is what we're here for yeah. as humans yeah we're here to reproduce yeah. and those of us who are lucky enough to do it gosh we're doing amazing thing. yeah yeah you know, yeah, absolutely. my two sons are bigger than me. They can pick me up, <laughs> yeah. and I'm proud yeah. of them. Yeah, you know, yeah, and you can get there. You can, <laughs> you I can promise. Yes, yeah. might feel really hard when it's yeah. happening. Yeah, and now I would say it's even harder when they're adults because <laughs> you—it's all hard. Like, it's just different, isn't different it? Different types it's all, of Every hardness. stage is hard. It just changes. I actually, I was saying this to some of my colleagues, I was stood in line at the pharmacy the other day and uh, had my daughters with me and an older guy behind me said, oh, are these your daughters? I said, yeah. She said, oh, he said, oh, it's great. It's wonderful. It's brilliant, isn't it? Oh, it's the best years of your life. Oh, it's just brilliant. And, and I sort of looked at him and he went, I know you don't believe me, but it's the best years of your life. And I thought... If this is the best, I'm, I'm queuing up for my antidepressants here because of the postnatal depression I've got from these kids. Like, And I sort of just went, mm-hmm. And obviously he meant it in a lovely way. And I, and I do understand what he meant. But I just thought, yeah, sometimes when people go, oh, it's just brilliant, isn't it? You think, am I the only one who thinks this is rubbish? Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's not that it's rubbish. It's, it's hard. It's really it's hard. It's just hard work and yeah. nobody can prepare you no. for it. No. I felt, when I had my first son, like I'd been hit in the face with a brick. Yeah. I felt yeah. pain, emotional pain, yeah. and I lost myself. Yeah. I had no Absolutely. identity. Yeah. I didn't know who I was. Yeah. I was in a new town. Yeah. My husband was a student. Mm. I'd lost my job mm. because I'd moved towns. Yeah. I was just, it was awful. And yeah. everyone kept referring to me as mum. Yeah. Yeah. And my baby couldn't even speak. Yeah, yeah. But everyone else kept calling me mum and my name's Ali. Yeah. You do it, just lose that. Everything about you changes, so you don't know who you are. And people around you suddenly treat you differently, speak to you differently, behave differently around you. And yeah. It's, yeah, it's such a... It's a real shock. Yeah. It really is, and it's really hurtful. Yeah. It hurt me physically yeah. and mentally. It's mm. not... Mm. And and we can't, no one really can prepare us for that because no. each of us is an individual yeah. with our own yeah. genetic makeup, our yeah. own personalities, our own environmental stresses, mm. our own family stresses. Yeah. We can't know yeah. Yeah. How someone, it's exactly how, how it all goes. It's, it's going to yeah. come out. Yeah. Somebody was saying yesterday on Tally, I was watching something about the ideal way to bring up children oh god uh, what's that then <laughs> a hunter, I'd like to know. A hunter gatherer society right okay and when you think about that that is mom dad mm. grandma granddad yeah. grandma granddad that children huge unit of huge unit yeah. moving around together mm. always being together yeah eating together and this this is what i often say and it's usually mums that i work alongside but 
we are not built to do this on our own. We weren't built to birth alone. We weren't built to parent alone. And we weren't even built to do it in pairs. We were built to do it with extended family around you. So when you're knackered because you're cooking and you're cleaning and you're doing all the bottles and you're you're feeding or you're cleaning your house and you're looking after your baby and going to baby groups and you're doing your food shop, the reason you're knackered is because you're not meant to be doing all of that. No. There's meant to be this group of everybody who's everyone's chipping in so you can have a bit of sleep. You can actually engage with your child and be really present because you're not thinking... What are we having for tea tonight? I ain't took anything out the freezer. It's yeah, and that's why we're so burnt out and exhausted and tired because we kick ourselves going, "Why can't I do it? I'm a shit mom." Exactly. We're not a shit mom. No, we're just we're, we're trying just to do a million down jobs. Yeah, by, by all those yeah. jobs. Yeah, and I think something about. I mean, I do go to Morocco a lot, and I'm very lucky. I go to a mm. village near mm. the sea, mm. and I think something about Moroccan society that I witness when I go mm. there. Mm. I'm not talking about big cities like Marrakesh, Casablanca. I'm talking about villages that are still um, subsistence villages where people, you know, get by Mm. and those families live all together. And I think that's Mm. something that I remember from being a child. I was lucky enough to have aunties and uncles around me. My grandma lived two streets away. I had all of that support Mm. and didn't get that when I was Mm. in Sheffield birthing my son. And I don't think um, that many do have, you know enough support around them I don't think many many do get that no and it it's so so hard isn't it it is and and but but testament to the services that I've received Mm. the services that I've worked in yeah I've got to nearly retirement age Mm. where I'm okay yeah and I'm still working and Mm. I enjoy my life now yeah and I'm Ali I know who I am I'm Ali art therapist used to be a teacher yeah yeah I'm a mum Mm. I don't have a relationship now Mm. I am who Mm. I am Mm. on my own yeah and that feels comfortable to me and I I had a relationship with my husband for 25 years Mm. and another fella for five years Mm. so I feel like 30 years (laughs) Helping men get through their lives (laughs) is enough. You've served your time. (laughs) Now it's my time. Absolutely, absolutely. The last question I wanted to ask you really was if someone is listening to this who think, hmm, maybe art therapy is something I'd like to try, or, you know, I might just dip my toe. Not necessarily in a very formal way, but what could, say there's a new mum or a new dad listening thinking, I am lost and I'm not feeling right and I would just want to find something what could they do what's where could you start with that I would with my professional hat on I would Mm. say anybody who's feeling like that needs help from their GP yeah they need to access GPs um understanding and Mm. accessibility to medication but also thoughts about how best to go about trying mm. to change the way you're thinking. Mm. Now, unfortunately, we are governed slightly by um, the constraints that are available to us yeah. in the systems now. Mm. When I was training 20, 12 years ago, there were art therapists employed in the NHS. Mm. Unfortunately, because of all the cuts, no. we aren't employed as mm. much. There are mm. art therapists, but they're mainly working with children. Yeah. 
and young adults. Um, so the GP would be the first step. Then if the GP offered IAPT, mm. you could give that a go and mm. see if that works for mm. you. You might respond to CBT, mm. but if you have really got PTSD from yeah. your birth yeah. or postnatal depression, that might not be the right kind of therapy yeah. for you. Yeah. So what my colleagues and myself at SIOTS do, we try, if there's a need, what we do is we apply for, to funders mm. for um, to, to be able to run yeah. a professional art therapy group for mm. people mm. so that people can make art with art mm. therapists and be contained yeah. and actually move forward mm. within a group. Yeah. If somebody wanted to do it individually, yeah. I'm listed on Psychology Today mm. and I work online and I work from my studio in my garden. Mm. So people could find... People could find an art psychotherapist. If you go to either the British Association of Art Therapists and look on there, there's a list of people who work in Sheffield. Right. Or the Healthcare Professional Council, and you Mm. could put in Sheffield, and that would list Mm. all of the art therapists that that are active in Sheffield. And that's your safeguard. So Mm. I can't work unless I have those registrations. And they protect both me and the person who's yeah. working with me. Yeah. Because it's quite um, an intimate thing that you get involved mm. in when it mm. comes to therapy. Mm. And it can open up things that you yeah. find very difficult to So you need to, to do it properly. You need if to you're do it properly do it. Yeah. with people okay. who have been trained yeah. to contain yeah. that pain. Yeah. And if you... So anybody who's calling them an art ther- themselves an art therapist who haven't, hasn't got that registration... Yeah. Okay. Is, is breaking the law, okay. truthfully. Yeah. But yeah. you can also <clears throat> but you can go to creative arts groups yeah. which are led by artists. Yeah. That are also really helpful to people. Yeah. But but if you're using materials, you might open something inside yeah. Yeah. that can't be contained in that kind of environment. Yeah, it might not be the most suitable. You need to environment. be aware yeah. Okay, yeah. of what art can do yeah. for you. And would you <clears> say I mean you've sort of said <clears> this as you've obviously you've talked about it, but do you think it's quite a good sort of complementary therapy to other things? And I know I have my own personal views on this. And, and I know you mentioned about medication. And for me, I really agreed with what you said. For me, medication has helped me alongside talking therapy and yes. counselling. And one or the other on their own wouldn't have got me to the place that both alongside each other and other things as well. I did a lot of running and writing and other, you know, the work that I do as well all complemented each other to, yes. to support me. Yeah. Do you think art therapy very much fits into that Absolutely. alongside other um, you know, other resources that you might have available? That's right. But if you are if you are looking for the services of an art therapist and you're yeah. in an art therapy group or not if you're an art therapy group, you could have an individual counsellor. Mm. But if you're doing one-to-one therapy with anyone, yeah. Yeah. it's not good to do more no. than no. one therapist. Right. Because so if someone was... Having art therapy with you, yeah. they wouldn't necessarily start a CBT course with IAPT or no. a, a counselling course with a, with another individual. No, it would no. need to be sort of standalone. But say they were taking medication yeah. and maybe they were going to a peer support group yes. with me at Light and yeah. then they were having art therapy with you. That would potentially complement perf- each other perfect. well. Perfect, yeah. Right, okay. And anything that yeah. they learned from the, the sessions with me or from yeah. the sessions with you 
would feed into right, yeah. their development and as I guess an individual. it's again finding that individual tailored concoction of of services therapies yes. whatever it is yes that suit you as an individual and and it's quite a challenge to find that and That's I know right. I did lots of different things and there were some things that worked and some things that didn't yes and some things that didn't work in that moment but six months later they worked so it's it's yes. really being very self-reflective and self-aware of That's how am right. I feeling is this serving me or isn't it and then um, right. and I think that was probably my barrier to art therapy is it yeah. didn't serve me maybe in the past so I'd sort of put up this wall of like nope not for me yes <laughs> and and it, I was sort of forced into it in a in a really lovely way yeah to go oh actually no maybe I'm ready for this now like yeah, maybe yeah. this is what I need and yeah um yeah and it, yeah. And it is it's a stage on the journey of recovery mm. Mm. from whatever you mm. come to yeah into the studio with me we start mm. from the point that you're at yeah we may look back yeah but we'll always be moving forwards yeah and that's and once the journey with me has ended mm. it doesn't mean to say yeah that you'll be cured. You're fixed. You won't be fixed. <laughs> only. I promise you might need more. Yeah, and it's not linear, else. is it? I don't no. think any recovery journey, anything is linear, you know, and, and when you do open up your eyes to your own mental health and you do become self-aware, I used to be very naive to it. And honestly, those naive days were so much easier. Yes. Now I'm very self-aware. It's, you know, you will go up and down. You yes. take a step forwards and 10 steps back, but then you'll take 20 steps forwards. And, That's right. And it is ongoing all the time and I think once you've opened yourself up to go and I'm going to really listen to myself yes you will always do that then and um it can be challenging but uh, for me personally anyway I I feel in a much better place than what I was you know before I'd sort of opened my eyes to to mental health yes and I think one thing that I've learned about myself is Mm. that I wasn't associating what was going on in my head Mm. with what was going on in my body right so mind-body work for me was yeah. a very important thing mm. that, mm. Um, the, you know, mm. the way our bodies work is yeah. that it's all related. Health in your mind is related to health in your body. And yeah. if, you, if you're dissociating your body away from your head, yeah. then you can make yourself quite poorly. Mm. So it's, you, mm. you need to get those things in tune with each other so like mm. you said about running yeah for me I was yeah. out with the dog yeah I used to be able to when I walked my kids to school yeah probably took us half an hour to walk to school mm. I could get back in nine minutes <laughs> up a hill with the dog yeah, yeah. you know so it mm. helps getting fit releases yeah. all those other chemicals yeah. and if you're following the advice of the medical professionals mm. you're taking some medication you're also seeking counseling mm. like you say it's a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. You know, and art therapy might be the right therapy mm. for you. Mm-hmm. It could be that music therapy yeah. is the right therapy for you or drama therapy yeah. that actually gets you moving around. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the time in art therapy, I recognise that people need to move around, so mm. that's why we get to throw paint and things. Yeah. So, yeah, it's about finding the right pattern mm. for your recovery mm. and, and also not losing heart. Yeah. If you do go s- steps back. Yeah. For me, it's hard at this time of year when it's getting yeah. darker. Yeah. I walked out yeah. November the 11th from yeah. my job. Yeah. So every year it's I have... It's quite a trigger. Yeah. Yeah. And I always mm. try to go to Morocco either before or yeah. or during that time. Yeah. In order to take me away from... Yeah. 
those feelings. Mm. But mm. I still, 20 years on, I still have them. Yeah. But I manage it. Yeah. And yeah. it doesn't ever go away. You manage how you're feeling mm. once mm. you know how to do it. Yeah. It's yeah. just knowing how to do it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing, you know, your personal experiences and your professional experiences. It's, uh, yeah, it's so interesting. There's, I mean, there's so many things that we could talk about. Yeah. It's so interesting. Um, Thank and you hopefully very much. this is sort of, you know, for those that maybe have been interested in it or have, have experienced art therapy before, that this would be great for them to hear. But for those who, who don't really know or thought, oh, it's not for me or never heard about it, maybe this might open some doors to them. And I will add all of your contact links and everything to the episode description. So if anyone wants to have a look, yeah. um, you know, into things a little bit more, they can. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> it's been great. Thank you. Thank you for listening to On A Lighter Note podcast, brought to you by Light, a pre and postnatal peer support charity covering Sheffield, Rotherham, Doncaster and the surrounding areas. If you feel you'd like to learn more about Light or any of the topics discussed in today's episode, please see the links in the episode description.